Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Saving Grace Church. And I, I realize or recognize there's a lot of family and guests um, in town t- this uh, New Year's Eve as well. So welcome to all of you. And let me pray and then we're going to jump in. Father, thank you for a new year that's upon us. Thank you for your faithfulness in this past year. Lord, thank you that you are a promise-keeping God and we can trust you. And Lord, we pray as we look forward to a new year that you would stir us and prepare us. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I don't know about all of you, but I would suspect some of you were like me in high school and and possibly college where you weren't uh, a great student. I particularly wasn't a great student when it came to English or grammar. So it's kind of ironic that I'm going to start this message with an article from NPR, National Public Radio Post, that's going to be all about the use of a particular word. Now, I realize there's a lot of kids here in the room this morning, so pay attention to this article. It's, uh, it's an article that NPR put out to its staff because they were all using the word countless in ways that the word countless should not be used. Okay, So just pay attention. I'll try to read it slowly. The title of this blog post was, Don't Be Careless with the Word Countless. It's tempting to say that we've used one word, speaking to the staff, a countless number of times. But that would be wrong, because we could quantify it. Countless showed up 255 times in the past year on NPR.org. The word is in 112 broadcast transcripts from the same period. So you can count the number. There are two points to make about this. We and our guests use the word too much. We cannot have found that many things that qualify as countless. We and our guests often misuse the word. Either because what we're talking about can be counted, or because a better word would paint a clearer picture. Countless just ends up sounding like a throwaway word that conveys little information. This is the point in this post where we should go to a dictionary. The adjective countless is defined as too many to count. You probably knew that. Innumerable or myriad. If you want to make the case that you're using it as a synonym for myriad, please be prepared to prove that you're speaking of an indefinitely large number. A pretty good use of the word was a reference we made to the, quote, countless other people around the world who showed up in support of Charlie Hebdo cartoonists, so a large crowd grew. That group could be considered as indefinitely large number. Might millions have been a better word? There's a case to be made to the answer, probably yes. A poor use of the word that was used in a headline, quote, the countless lives of Lauren Bacall, The appreciation of her life that ran with the headline details about a dozen times she reinvented herself. That's not indefinitely large. What should we say instead? A look through our report shows that depending on the context, more precise words 
may have been more useful. Words such as many, dozens, hundreds, thousands, millions, billions. By the way, it is not a job requirement that reporters covering the 2016 campaign always put countless before the word handshake, pork shops, county fairs, town halls, and stump speeches. This was a post entitled Memos, Amendments, Missives, and Musings from the Standards and Practice of the Outbox of NPR Ethics Handbook. Okay, that might be more than you wanted to think about today. But the point is, when we use words, we should use them carefully and precisely. Well, the title of this message is Make Room for the Countless Number. So I have paid attention to this blog post, I've heeded the warning, and I precisely and carefully chose to use the word countless for the title. And you're going to see why in a moment. And my prayer is that this message would stir all of us for the countless number of people that Jesus is bringing into his kingdom. If you have a Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 7. If not, it'll be projected behind me. This is a vision that God gave John while he was in exile. He said, after this, this is um, Revelation 7, 9 and 10. After this I looked and behold, listen carefully, a great multitude that no one could number. A countless sea of people. Now listen to the description of these people. From every nation, from all tribes, and peoples, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, the vision that John was given that he records in the book of Revelation is of a future time where God's people are gathered worshiping Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that this vision, this passage, Revelation 7, 9 and 10, would be so deeply imprinted in your mind and heart. Because this picture is... A picture of our family, if you are a Christian, of your brothers and sisters from every tribe, tongue, and nation. This picture is the fulfillment of God's promises throughout the Bible to gather men and women, boys and girls, teenagers from every tribe, tongue, nation, people group in the entire world. It's a glorious picture. If ever there was a blended family, It is the church of Jesus Christ. And this picture should stir us to want to go after and reach out to and introduce people to Jesus Christ because God is gathering a massive, countless number of people. And part of that ingathering is going to happen on our watch, in our lives. And so we want to be part of this glorious picture. I want you to think of an image that captures your attention. So a photo, maybe something you saw online, maybe a a, a video you saw of the Grand Canyon, or if you've ever uh, Googled the Northern Lights, these 
beautiful lights in the sky that, that is just amazing and wild. Or maybe you've seen photos of Mount Everest or skiers or snowboarders going off of incredible jumps. Think of whatever beautiful image that captures your attention. Maybe if you're like me, I like, I like seeing photos of, of newborn babies or big chubby babies that just are happy and filled with life. I like seeing pictures of, of uh, tribal people from different parts of the world. I was an anthropology major for a while. I didn't finish, but for a while. <laughs> this picture, we can read this and jump past it too quickly in the Bible. This image should be stamped in our minds. This should be a beautiful, glorious image. This should take our breath away in a way that would be greater than a picture of the Grand Canyon, and in an image greater than Mount Everest, or whatever image captures your attention. I mean, think of all the feuding and fighting that has happened in world history and happens present day. It all comes to an end in this glorious picture. And it's a diverse picture. It's as diverse as diverse gets. This image of people from every single nation. That would include our brothers and sisters in North Korea. It would include the most hardened, darkest places right now. From all tribes and peoples and languages. Every tribe, people, language. All brought together by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, this picture has captured my attention for a long time. I've been a Christian since I was 19 years old. And this is one of the, the images that, that the Lord just stamped in my mind right at the beginning. That these are my brothers and sisters. These are your brothers and sisters. And see, here's the thing. I know there's a lot of churches represented here this morning. So I want, I want you to think about it even for your church if you're part of another local church. All healthy churches, all healthy Christians need to have a heart for this countless number. All healthy churches, all healthy Christians, you need to have a heart for this countless number. So what I'm saying is you cannot be a healthy Christian or a healthy church, if you do not have a heart for the lost, for your brothers and sisters that are going to be brought in to God's kingdom. It's not enough to read our Bibles regularly, to live holy lives, to be passionate in worship, to be excited about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to be excited about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if it doesn't affect our heart towards other people. See, what I want you to do when you think about 2018, I want you to think about other people. I want you to think about how can I have more room in my life and my heart for more people. Think about all the more popular New Year's resolutions. A few of them include... Other people, most of them, include things we want to do for ourselves. And they're not bad things, like get healthy, eat better, 
Those kind of things. They're good things. I like those kind of things. But what God wants to stir this morning is He wants us to make room for more people in our lives. See, this countless sea of people in the book of Revelation, it is countless. But it is not nameless. This is not a nameless group of people. It's a huge number. But they all have names. All made by God. All made in His image. All carefully created by Him. All loved by Him. And so He wants His kids to love them and to go after them and to look for those He is drawing to Himself. So how do we do this? A few simple points. First one, we make room for more more people when we welcome one another. We make room for more people when we welcome one another. First, uh, Romans 15 says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So who are we to welcome as Christians? We're to welcome people from every nation, tribe, and people group. We're to welcome everyone. There is no one we are not to welcome. So there is absolutely no room for racism or prejudice against any people people group of any stripe for a Christian. God's family is the most diverse family in all the universe, all the world. And He wants His people to be the most welcoming people in all the world. And we should be because we have been adopted as sons and daughters into a diverse family that is going to be countless people. Countless people who are not like us. No matter your skin color, no matter your background, no matter your ethnicity, it's safe to say in this countless number, there will be many, 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 many people who do not look like us. And that's a beautiful thing. That is God's perfect plan and design. So practically speaking, we live real close to IEP. Every semester, there is approximately 900 international students, not counting um, spouses and children that often come with the graduate and Ph.D. students. So right there alone in our little town, we are in a very international community here in western Pennsylvania. I've never lived in another country where I haven't, I've never lived in another country, so I've never been in a place where I couldn't speak the language, where I couldn't understand what was going on. I didn't know how to navigate through towns and cities. Think about how scary it might be if you are put in a place where you do not know anybody. You can hardly speak the language and you don't understand the people. You show up here and they're all wearing black and gold and they look kind of scary and they yell a lot when football games are on and like, what kind of people are these? This is scary. I don't know what they're doing. Well, welcome people. If you see them in Walmart, if you see them out of the store as they're coming and they're buying stuff for a new semester, welcome the students. Not just the international students, all the students. Teenagers, those of you who are on sports teams, those of you who do musicals, those of you who are doing things with kids that you do not know. Be bold 
and introduce yourself to the new people. Welcome them. Think they may be part of this countless number that God is drawing to himself. This isn't just for teens. If you're, I know there's a number of elementary school kids here. When you're in school or on sports teams or doing activities with other kids, you know what it's like to be the new kid or to be in a room where you don't know anybody. So flip that and be the person that introduces yourself to them. Say, hi, my name is, whatever your name is, what is your name? And you will be doing what God tells us to do, welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us. Well, who are we to welcome? All races and tribes? Certainly. But we're also to welcome all sorts of people. So that would include, but not limited to, happy people, successful people, people's lives that are going great, hurt people, broken people, lost people, confused people, disillusioned men and women, embittered people, angry people. People, no matter the background, we're to welcome everyone as God in Christ has welcomed us. My friend Ivan just gave me this book the other day, and he warned me beforehand. He said, it's, it's a little rough. It's a little graphic. And I started reading it, and a little rough isn't a good description. This is a brutal book. This book is called The Lord of Bella Vista. It's the dramatic story of a prison that was transformed in Bolivia. So this prison, just read the back of the book. Bella Vista Prison in Colombia used to be one of the bloodiest in the world. In the beginning of the book, it describes how bloody it was. It's, it's nothing I've ever heard of in, in comparison with prisons in our country, even the really bad ones. In 1989, a riot broke out that would certainly have ended in a massacre the warden hadn't bowed to public pressure and ordered a military takeover. So he called in the cavalry. And the cavalry came. But they didn't go in. Instead, he also gave permission to Oscar Osorio, a former inmate and now volunteer chaplain, to hold a prayer meeting inside the prison walls. An incredible move of the Spirit literally quenched the rioting. Prisoners surrendered their weapons to Osorio and his small band of Christian inmates, and joined them in prayer and worship. Astonished reporters who had been waiting outside the gates to broadcast news of the military mop-up relayed the story of the remarkable transformation. Today the prison is indeed a changed place. Even non-Christian inmates say that Jesus Christ has become Lord of the Bella Vista. See, this man, Oscar, he was a wild teenager. When he encountered the Lord, he was saved. And a heart for people like himself. And he welcomed them in. And many of these brutal, brutal men came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. See, we're to welcome everyone. And how are we to do it? We're to welcome them the exact same way that Jesus welcomed us. So I want to jog your memory. Do you remember how Jesus welcomed you into his family? Opened arms. Come on in. Some of us in this room were wild and crazy when we met Jesus Christ. And He forgave us. He cleansed us. He canceled 
our sin of debt. And he said, come on in. Many of us, not only were welcomed by Jesus Christ, but we were welcomed by his people. I was welcomed at several churches in town, campus groups, and this church about a year or so into me knowing Jesus Christ by many of you. Some of you are still in this room today. That had a huge, huge impact on me. And you probably have names and faces of people that welcomed you. Well, that's the kind of people we want to be. Whatever church you're in, that's the kind of church you want to be. You want to be a church that's on the lookout for people the Lord is bringing your way. Part of this countless number. So, practically speaking, be on the lookout for those God is bringing your way into your life. Whether it's your local church, your workplace, uh, hobbies you like to do, I like to run, I like to go to the Y, wherever you interact with people. Welcome people the same way Jesus has welcomed you. So here's a couple questions to ask yourself. As you think of 2018, how can you grow in welcoming new people into the church you're a part of and into your own lives? How can you do that? Kids, how can you do that? How can you welcome a new person into your life? That's Maybe you're at the park playing when it gets warm out. Maybe you're sledding like we were yesterday at College Lodge. You could share your sled with someone. You could introduce yourself to another kid that's similar in age to you. How can you grow? If you're resistant of this, of welcoming more people into your life, why is that? Why do you think that is? Maybe it's because you've been burnt. Maybe it's because you have been sinned against. Maybe it's because you've tried and been unsuccessful. Well, the Lord wants to stir you again because the reason we do it is so important. Look at Romans 15, verse 7 again. It says, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We do it for God's honor and fame and glory. So how else can we do it? We make room for others when we serve one another. When we think of others. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though Jesus was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, he calls us to be more mindful of others than we are of ourselves, to think more about others than we do ourselves. Think about it this way. If you desire to be happy, if you desire to have joy, Spend a lot less time thinking about yourself. The most miserable people in the world are the most self-focused. The most joyful Christians in the world are those who are doing things like the Hartles are doing. They're laying down their life. They're sacrificing money and time and energy to serve and bless others. And you don't have to go to Africa to do that. You can do that here in Indiana, Pennsylvania. 
Lay down your lives for others. See, that's what Jesus did. And by laying down his life, he knew he was purchasing this countless number of brothers and sisters that will be with him in all eternity. So as you think of a new year, as you think of 2018, think of it in terms of how can I lay down my life more for others than I did last year? How can I sacrifice more? How can I serve more? How can I care for others more? See, a life well lived is one that is given away. It's not one where you just gather and hold on to money and stuff and you're thinking about yourself and you're taking pictures of yourself all the time. It's when you're thinking about others, laying down your life for others. As I was praying about this, I was thinking, what, what's one of the reasons why maybe we don't, as Christians, want to love people more and go after them more and, and build new relationships with people? What, what gets in the way? Why, why is it, for some of us, it's been a long time since we have new people into our inner friend circle? Well, one of the reasons could be because you've been burnt. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're bitter. See. One of the things that hinders us from making room for more people is when we are unforgiving, when we are bitter. We make room for more when we forgive one another. Ephesians says, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. When Bob said, look at the snow and... Your, your, your many, 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 many sins have been covered and canceled by the blood of Jesus. Well, if that is true for you, if you're a Christian, that should be like meat tenderizer in your heart. It should make your heart soft and tender towards others. See, if you live long enough, and probably most of us have already experienced this, people will be mean. People will be hurtful. People will say and do mean and hurtful things. But as Christians, we're called to love and forgive them. We're not called to let it happen over and over again to the same person, but we are called to love and forgive them. See, Jesus addressed this in a parable in the book of Matthew when Peter was asking him, Lord, how, how many times should I forgive somebody? How many times do I really have to do this? So this is in Matthew 18. I don't want you to look at it. I want you to listen to Jesus' words and the parable. Because it will tenderize your heart. So Peter comes up to him and says, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times? Jesus said, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And he's going to tell a parable, a story to make a point. He said, therefore... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who had 10,000 talents. For a common laborer, a talent was about a year's worth of debt. So this guy had 10,000 years worth of debt. He was in trouble. So if you think your finances are bleak, his were a lot worse. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, and all that he paid, a payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees and begged him, 
Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Which is actually a lie because you wouldn't be able to do that. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave all his debt. Paid in full. Do not worry about it. It is canceled. You owe me nothing. You are now debt free. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii was about um, a day's wage. So he owed him about a hundred days salary. So do, do the math on your own salary, what a hundred days would be. It's a considerable amount of money. Nothing close to the thousands of years of debt that the other guy owed. But seizing him, he began to choke him. He said, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and put him into prison until he should pay. And when his fellow servants saw, saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. And their master summoned them and said, you wicked servant. I forgave all the debt because you pleaded with me. And you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I've had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The parable, the point of it, one guy, he was forgiven of this massive amount of debt. And all he had to do was forgive a much lesser amount. And he couldn't do it. The point Jesus is saying is as Christians, Jesus has forgiven us of every sin, past, present, and future, paid for in full. So if someone is mean to you, angry to you, has hurt you, we have to forgive them. We we'll have to trust them. That's a different conversation and a different message. But we do have to forgive them because we are forgiven. See, in heaven, in this countless number, we I know from this book, there's going to be some really bad dudes in heaven who did some really, really bad things. That Jesus canceled their debt. Jesus canceled our debt. So we're to be kind and loving and forgiving. So, if you're out and about shopping or at work and you encounter a mean boss or a mean co-worker swearing, yelling, screaming, Rather than taking it personally, think, Lord, you have forgiven me of so much. I have no idea why this individual is so worked up right now. But I'm going to love them and be patient with them. And I'm going to pray them into this countless number. And that way I will see them as my brother or sister. And I will rejoice with them. See, it's radical. Christianity is radical. This is so different than other world religions or philosophies. All of us are on equal ground if we trust in Jesus Christ. The worst of us and the best of us are brought in the same way. So as we make room for, for more this year, the last connection I want us to make is we make room for more people of this countless number when we live blameless lives. Our holiness, our Godliness, our character matters as followers of Jesus Christ. We're saved by faith alone in Jesus alone. But a hypocritical, immoral, double-life, two-faced Christian is the most confusing thing to 
non-Christians. It's so confusing. I remember seeing people that said they were Christians and did all kinds of crazy stuff. And maybe some of them were. But for us, our responsibility is to follow Jesus passionately. Don't have any area of your life that looks inconsistent with following Jesus Christ. Last passage, 1 Thessalonians. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Jesus is returning. It will be exactly the same as someone breaking into your house at night. Thief doesn't come in at 3 in the afternoon when you're waiting for him. Comes in at 3 a.m. when you're sound asleep. Jesus is going to come back. We know that. We don't know when, but we know it's going to be a surprise. He's going to come back while people are saying there's peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon you. Then as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, they will not escape. But you, if you're a Christian, are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so whether we are awake or asleep, that we might live for Him. Therefore, encourage one another. And build one another up. Just as you are doing. So if you love Jesus. Live for Jesus. And pray that he will use you to make a greater impact on this countless number. If I could have the band come up as I wrap up. As you think of 2018. Whether you are 8 years old. 9 years old. 75 years old. Or anywhere in between. Think, who can I impact this year? What people, what group of people, what kind of people would the Lord want me to introduce Him to? See, we make room for this countless number when we welcome one another. We make room when we serve one another. And we're thinking of them more than us. We make room for others when we forgive one another. And we make room for more when we live blamelessly. John said, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. Countless. From every nation, from all the tribes, people's languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hand, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We're part of that number. We want to be part of bringing more people into that number. Let's stand and pray. Father, Lord, would you do this? Every church that's represented in this room, would they grow numerically? Not from Christians just going different places, but from men and women, boys and girls and teenagers, encountering you for the first time and being added to this countless number. And we, we pray you give us eyes to see the lost and the suffering and the sad and the sick. And we pray you give us eyes to see you work and encourage and encounter them. We'll give you all the glory. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing.